Farzi, as we continue our alphabetical trip throughout the OHL, and I say OHL because now we are into our O's, we make a stop at uh, the city that hosts the arena that I grew up watching Ontario Hockey League games in, the lovely Harry Lumley Bayshore Community Centre up in gorgeous Owen Sound. How excited are you to make another trip up to the Sound? Uh, How about, well, I guess I was going to say nine, but it won't be nine. We'll make five because it's 10 times total between Owen Sound and Kitchener. Listen, I'm with you. I love it. I always like going out to check the bay when we get up there because Don Cameron always said, you know, you watch for the ice to form in the bay or to disappear from the bay, and you know that's when the weather is starting to change. But I will never forget the six-hour road trip coming home the one night after there was a massive snowstorm. We got to the game, so did like 400 hardy fans, and then we spent forever. We almost had to stay overnight in Owen Sound before we found an open road and made it home. That will forever be my lasting impression of Owen uh, Sound. I did have to stay overnight. In fact, I, I got know. stranded in the city for three days. Yeah, so it was funny. a glorious time. The Chichimon wasn't running, though. Harrison Park was closed. There wasn't much else to do. But here we are doing another podcast on the Owen Sound Attack, and we are joined by perhaps Owen Sound Hockey royalty, given yes, the lineage is. and the family. Yes, Mark McKelvey, is. thanks for doing this, buddy. Thanks so much for having me, guys. I'm certainly not royalty. I'd probably be the, the what, the joker, the jester, something. <laughs> I say I say that because of course it's your grandfather, right, Ray Ray McAlvey. Um, what was it like, first of all, being around hockey? I'm sure from day one in your life. Yeah, I guess uh, as long as I can go back, uh, I can remember going to Owen Sound Plater games, and then of course the attack. And uh, I can still remember going to the OHL draft when they used to do the draft in person. I think it was at the the Powerade Center or whatever it was called in, in Brampton at the time, and sitting up in the crowd and seeing my grandpa and the whole crew down there at the table. So. Uh, obviously, uh, Owen Sound uh, Junior Hockey has been uh, a part of my life since uh, day one and continues to this point. Did it always occur to you, Mark, that you wanted to work in the game at the level that you are, obviously, doing the play-by-play for the Rogers TV broadcasts up there? You know what? I always thought I'd be involved in hockey somehow. I knew, obviously, at a young age, I wasn't going to be good enough to be a player. But uh, I think what happened for me was I always took a a love for broadcasting, and, and that was something that kind of got uh, in my ear when I was in high school because I was helping out with our, our local, I grew up in Milton. So a lot of people think I'm from Owen Sound. So, you know, I'm a couple hours away, but I grew up in Milton and we had a, our tier two junior A team there, the Ice Hawks at the time. And I got asked to be the timekeeper. And as things happen, as you guys know, in, in the wild world of hockey, sometimes you get thrown into different positions and different jobs. And, and one day I was the, the PA announcer. And next thing you knew, I, you know, play by play PA announcer, by the end, I was bringing all my friends to, to do all the game day operations. So uh, right there, I kind of took a love for, for calling hockey. And, and I'd always kind of had an eye for, for certain uh, broadcasters that I liked. And, and then when I was in high school, I just thought, hey, I'm going to go after this as a career. It seems like no matter what year we talk about the Owen Sound attack, Farwell and I always say mm-hmm. going up there, it's not going to be an easy one, Farzi. It is never an easy two points in that building. Uh, what's it like, you know, for... 34 games a year being able to call games in that lovely Bayshore Community Center? Well, I think a, a big chunk of it is the fact of playing in the Midwest Division. You know, there's no nights off, obviously, in the Western Conference, but those Midwest battles, uh, there's always uh, some intensity there, especially in the Bayshore. You know, the fans, uh, as much as people like to say how great uh, 
and friendly the people are in Owen Sound. They're passionate and they like to uh, get involved in the game. They're very vocal. And of course, as you guys well know, just being up in that press box, hanging right over the penalty box, pretty much hanging right over center ice, you hear a lot of what's going on down there. So you feel like you're right in the game. And I think, uh, you know, 34 games a year, except for the one or two where there's a giant snowstorm, like you said, and there's only 400 people there. Uh, it's just a fantastic atmosphere. And with that, you know, it's not to knock on other teams when you go into buildings and there isn't necessarily that crowd engagement or maybe not even a full barn. Uh, you certainly feel lucky to uh, be able to call 34 games a year in own town. I remember that passion so well going back probably about a decade now because Steve spot was still the head coach of the Kitchener Rangers and it was a playoff series. And after the game, I was down at ice level doing an interview with him and some of the fans, the Rangers had won the game. Uh, they were, they were throwing pucks from their, their booth, their, their uh, box that they were sitting in down at us as we were trying to do the post-game interview on the ice. That's the passion that you get. There might've been some liquid encouragement involved in that, but after a playoff loss versus the Rangers. <laughs> well, guys, I mean, the one part about uh, growing up around the, the organization there, my grandfather uh, you know, running the business, there's many nights after a game, I'll go down to his office and help him count the bar money. So I, I know just uh, how much gets sold there on a Saturday night. Uh, there's plenty of uh, booze flowing. Uh, and you know what? Responsibly. I might point out. Of course. Always of course. responsible. Yes. Um, bit of a change in on sound here as we uh, Al Latang takes off for Sarnia. Greg Walters comes in. Um, what are you hearing about what Greg Walters brings from his time in Oshawa? Well, going back to, as I mentioned earlier, I spent a lot of time in Milton and, and Greg Walters had a really good run as the head coach and, and manager with the Georgetown Raiders uh, before he then came back to the Ontario Hockey League after he, of course, started off there in Sarnia. You know, all I'm hearing is great things. I, I just know, having watched his teams for, for quite some time, that, uh, you know, they play with a lot of passion and, and there's, a, you know, there's an accountability there. And, and uh, you know, just from talking to some people in, in the game, everyone thinks the team that's a great fit. And it was interesting to see where Dale DeGray was going to go with that, with the fact that when Alatang obviously went to just, I think overall for his family and everything, a great fit in Sarnia uh, going back home that opened up that head coaching spot. And I just not sure that, uh, you know, where they were going to go with that. Obviously they have two great assistant coaches and Joey Hishon and Jordan Hill, but both still young in their coaching careers. And I think bringing in a coach like Greg Walters, who's going to work with them, it's not going to change a whole lot. And, and I think, Overall, this is going to be a team that's continued that tradition of being hard to play against. And uh, I mean, we've watched Oshawa over the last few years and some of the success they've had. I always considered Oshawa kind of a Western Conference style team. I always thought over in the East, they were most comparable to a team in the Western Conference. So I think Greg Walters is going to fit in perfectly in Town. Since you just mentioned his name, I will shamelessly tease at this point, Joey Hishin coming up as our feature interview in this episode of OHL Stories. But Joey Hishin, the player, Joey Hishin, the person, has left an indelible impression on this franchise without question. What does it mean to have a guy like that as one of the men behind the bench now? I think it means a lot, especially to, to everyone that goes back to that championship team. And, and I think you want to hold on to the glory days. I know sometimes, you know, you might get caught up in them, but to see a player that uh, we all know his story, it's well-documented to, to overcome what he had to overcome and continue to make an impact in this game. I mean, he, the work that he's doing now with players through his, uh, you know, skills uh, Academy, it's going to leave a big impact all the way, you know, for many years to come. He's also just very personable, someone that's really easy to talk to. And I think uh, he made a big impression during his time as a player. I think everybody kind of adopted him as a son of Owen Sound. And so to have him back there in the organization now, and as he has been for the last few years, 
uh, I think it's just fantastic. And, and also to know that someone that had so much skill, like he did a first round pick in the NHL, you know, had what happened in the Memorial cup, not happened. Who knows where his career would have gone, but I know he would have done great things. And I think that's what he was always meant to do was make an impact on the game. And here he is now. If we can just take a quick question or a quick question for our broadcasting nuts. I know Farzi and I down here in Kitchener, we're obviously so lucky to have a guy like Don Cameron to look up to Farzi got to call games for multiple years. I got one game with him and that's all I really needed to be honest. Um, but up there in Owen Sound, another legend around the game that has been with that team since day one, fast Freddie Wallace. What is it like being able to call games on the road with a guy like Fred Wallace? It's a, it's a blast. There's no doubt about that. Uh, Fred gave me a lot of opportunities as a, you know, a young broadcaster that was in school to, to come on the radio and join him. I know on my, my 19th birthday, a lot of 19 year olds would have been out uh, at the bar flashing that idea, you know, for the first time and, and likely uh, not remembering the next day. But I was actually in Brampton, the attack had a game there that night and, and Fred asked if I wanted to join him on the radio and do color commentary. So he's given me a lot of opportunities. He's helped me and just, uh, he's just so smooth. And that's the one thing that uh, working with him, you're learning something every single day. And also his passion, his knowledge. Uh, I try to make sure that I am always got my homework done before a game that you're doing with him. Obviously you want to be prepared every single game, but with him, you never know where it's going to go. Uh, he's got his folders just stacked up. I know you guys have seen them. So I, I love going back and uh, just, you know, picking his brain on incidents and, and games that he can remember from, you know, right from day one. Real quick, Farzi, uh, on that note, if Fred ran for mayor next year, would he have 10 votes against him? <laughs> I, don't, I don't think so. No yeah, he wins, he wins in a landslide. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The only uh, people, actually, just to cut you guys off, sorry, that may not vote for Fred, you know in Barry how the last row of the seats come right up <laughs> to the press box there? I know a couple times Fred's had some run-ins right there, but uh, overall, I mean, he is, he is Owen Sound's, uh, you know, the face of Owen Sound, in my opinion, Owen Sound Sports. That's just the the passion again we're talking about, Mark. That's what it is. The Owen Sound passion on display through fast Freddie Wallace. Uh, Popper and I were just kind of joking when we finished uh, speaking with Kenny Walls up in Ottawa on our most recent episode that we're going to have to refamiliarize, reacquaint ourselves with the team that we cover because we've been gone for so long. There will be so many different faces. The Rangers were kind of a, you know, an older club when all things came crashing down in, in March of 2020. Uh, what do you look at for this Owen Sound squad this year? What can we expect to see from the Bayshore bunch? Well, just looking at the roster, just like every other team, there's going to be that huge turnover. Uh, I think for the attack, there's probably going to be about 12 returnees. I know they got a few more, but uh, they got some overage decisions to make. But the identity of this team, in my opinion, is going to be defense. And it's going to start with the goaltending. If, if Matt Goose is back as an overager, as you expect, uh, here's a goaltender that feels like he's been in the league forever. I mean, he was playing a ton of games as a 16-year-old, which you don't always see. If there hadn't been last year's season canceled, I think Matt Gusta was actually on pace to play the most games ever by a goaltender in the Ontario Hockey League. I think J.P. Anderson holds the record. Obviously, Gusta's not going to touch that now. But if he's between the pipes, you're covered right there. You go to the defense, and they've got enough returnees there, some overagers, uh, Mark Woolley, Andrew Parrott. You know, those two are bruisers. That'll be tough to play against. So I think the back end is covered off. The big question mark for the attack is going to be where's the goal scoring going to come from? You know, when we last left off, you had Barrett Kerwin, Aiden Dudas, Sergey Popov. You had players like that that could put the puck in the net. Now you're looking at the young guys who aren't young guys anymore. And, and I'm just not sure exactly where the offense is going to come from. But I think like a lot of teams, everyone's going in a little bit blind and just hoping that guys have really taken that next step. 
Real quick, excuse me, Chris, but you mentioned Andrew Parrott and, and he was, and to his credit, that letter that he issued to the league on behalf of, of the players, I thought was just incredibly mature. But I, and I think it also speaks perhaps to his, his leadership, but maybe just a little bit of a, a further exploration of Andrew Parrott, what you saw from him, obviously kind of driving that bus during the, the lockdown lockout because we couldn't play and, and what you see that translating into with the team. Yeah, it's interesting when, when Andrew was the player that started to, to speak up for, you know, on behalf of everybody in the OHL, at least the players, uh, maybe caught me a little off guard. Again, he's probably not the loudest guy, at least, you know, just through our interactions in the media, but uh, always kind of had that uh, leadership quality. You watched him out on the ice, you know, stands up for his teammates, obviously. And the one thing I always go back to and something that I remember hearing from Dale DeGray a long time ago is that uh, he wants to bring in good hockey players, but he wants to bring in good people. And, and of course, Andrew Parrott had started his OHL career with the London Knights, but you know, there's enough of the, the Parrott family ties there in Owen Sound that obviously everyone had a good read, but it just shows uh, you know, Dale DeGray's looking for good quality people. And, and I think Andrew Parrott is someone that uh, by stepping up right now, obviously he has gained a, a ton of respect. And uh, I think players around the, the OHL are going to continue just to pat them on the back for their efforts and, and getting that tournament going that they had in Erie. Uh, it's very impressive. It'll be interesting to see where the leadership, you know, overall captain is just a letter. There can be multiple leaders on a team. I always thought Mark Woolley was, uh, you know, a future captain for the Owen Sound attack. Maybe Andrew Parrott's in that conversation as well, but two great leaders uh, and two veterans that are going to be counted upon heavily. I think Greg Walters might have his work cut out for him in training camp, trying to figure out which overagers he's going to keep. When you look at mm-hmm. Woolley, Parrott, Shibrikov, you have Guzden, Nat, then you have the former first rounder, Griffin Wilson out of Alora up front. You mentioned they're going to be looking for where those goals score, but I'm, I'm looking, you know, we're an O already here through our alphabetical trip. And we talked to a lot of teams. There's not a lot of teams returning players. You just mentioned 12 players and they could return upwards of four or five D plus their starting goalie. Owen sound could be a team that, you know, would be near the top of the Western conference this year. Yeah. And, and I guess they say defense, you know, wins. Right. And I think that's what they're going to have to bank on as well. We don't know what to expect from the guys that were drafted and now two drafts ago, but, but Cedric Wendon, is a young man that I've heard a lot of good things about. He was just invited to the under-18 camp as well. Coming from that that Ottawa area, Owen Sound's kind of been really keying in on that area as of late a little bit more. So I think he'll probably come in and be able to make a bit of an impact, as well as Colby Barlow, who was their most recent first-rounder, a player that maybe slipped a little bit. I saw some draft rankings that had him a little higher. And, and just the word on him is, again, uh, you know, natural-born goal scorer. So... Uh, you don't want to put too much pressure on a 16-year-old, but uh, overall, I think the young players are really going to feel like they have a chance just to step up and make a name right away, which wouldn't have been the case in past years around the league. It's really easy on the Western Conference side of this league, Mark, to complain that we're not going to get to see Shane Wright this year in what is very likely his last tour through this league. And we were denied last season, so we got to see him twice in, in year number one. And there are fans now that will be denied that same opportunity. So it's, that's an easy complaint. But other than seeing us 10 times in this upcoming season, how do you feel about the sort of unbalanced schedule where we only see the West? You know, like I said before, I don't live in Owen Sound. I actually live in Guelph. And overall, I'm thrilled with the schedule because, like you said, 10 games against the Rangers, 12 against the Storm for the attack. So for myself, uh, it's a little more central. But uh, I like it because I just love the Midwest division. And I know a lot of people sometimes cry for, you know, division realignments. I never want to see the Owen Sound attack out of the Midwest division because, uh, like I said, Overall, it doesn't matter where you are in the standings. You know you're going to see a hard-fought hockey game every night in the Midwest. And I think those rivalries just continue to grow. And I don't want to see them go away. And 
hey, there's probably going to be a lot of wars out there this season, and I know we're going to enjoy it. Mark, going back a few years, what did that championship run in Owen Sound mean to the city? I think it's been well documented now that we go back 10 years ago that uh, you don't have to go very far. You don't have to have a lot of conversations about the attack uh, without you end up going back to that 2011 season and, and just talking about it. And for everybody that, that remembers, you know, that run, the attack, you know, had a great team. This was a team that really found their stride, obviously, there in that second half of the year and ended up finishing first in the Western Conference. But I, I think when you just go back to that playoff run and, and the community support, uh, it was at an all-time high. And I still think 10 years later, that community support, um, you know, the flags in the windows of the shops on Main Street, things like that, it really grew from 2011. And that's never gone away. There, there was always a passion for the attack and, and the Platers in Owen Sound, but it got to that all time high. And I don't think it's ever really dropped off since then. Can we talk a little bit further about what you just mentioned as your living arrangement? So you call the city <laughs> of Guelph home. You already mentioned Platers twice. You stole the damn hockey club from Guelph, and now you call games for the attack. Can you even show your face? Just not your colors, I suppose. Is that how oh, it works, Mark? <laughs> I, guess, I guess, yeah. I, I Like I said, I grew up in Milton, and then you know, a few years back here, I, I moved to Guelph. I, I worked for Woodbine Entertainment, so we have two racetracks, Woodbine in Toronto, Mohawk uh, you know, just outside Guelph, kind of between Guelph and Milton. So this is, uh, this is home for me, but of course, you know, with, with my family ties and and again, it goes back to opportunities. Uh, guys like Freddie Wallace and, and Manny Pava gave me, you know, good opportunities as a young man out there that was just finishing up uh, broadcast journalism school at Humber College to, to get my feet wet. And when opportunities, as they always seem to do, kind of fall in front of you, you got to go for it. And again, having family up in Owen Sound, I, I just love spending time up there. And, uh, you know, it's a second home to me. Mark, what's it like dealing with a guy like Dale DeGray, who, <clears throat> excuse me, obviously played in this league, went on to play in the National Hockey League. Uh, I, I would call him a tough player to play against in his time. Let's say that. Uh, what's it like dealing with a guy like that? Dale is just, uh, again, since my time covering the Ontario Hockey League, he's been the only general manager in Owen Sound. It's going back quite some time now since he's been there, but uh, I've never had a bad interaction. He's always there to talk and, and, you know, you can pick his brain. And of course, sometimes you ask questions and, you know, he, he can't necessarily show his hand too much, but uh, you, you can pick up on those moments, but uh, he's just very approachable. And uh, whenever we get a chance to you know, sit down, interview him, or even uh, just talk off the record, uh, it's always a great conversation. And I think it's his presence, his calming presence as well, that's kind of felt for the organization. And you know, he's someone that at times when you thought he'd be really worked up about whether it was an incident on the ice or something else going on, uh, he's got a bit of a calming presence to him uh, that uh, you know, can kind of shine through despite the fact that we know he is a fiery competitor. Yeah, I want to get him on the podcast. We need some stories from those IHL days. <laughs> Yeah, yep. please ask him to return my email. I must have gone to his, I'm, I'm thinking it went to his junk folder. That has to be the reason, right? Because why wouldn't the general manager in Owen Sound want to not want to talk to the broadcaster in Kitchener? I don't understand. I don't know. I'm not, <laughs> sure, I'm not sure what you said there before, Farwell. I'm not really sure. Mark, we call this OHL stories for a reason because there are so many attached to this game from the people who play it and the people who cover it. When you think of OHL stories, what comes to mind? Yeah, I, I think as... You know, obviously I've listened to, to many of the people you guys have had on here and they always seem the common theme is that their stories they just can't tell. I mean, they're sure there's some that I can think of that, uh, again, maybe I, I can't necessarily spill just yet at this point. But I, I can go back to, uh, I think it was 2017, where the attack had a great run in the playoffs. That's when they lost in the conference final to the Erie Otters. And as disappointing as that was just as a broadcaster, because uh, that was my first full year doing play-by-play. 
so what a thrill to see a team go to the conference finals. But after that ends, you know, you're disappointed. Uh, and it's the Otters and, and the Steelheads in the championship series. And Rogers, you know, made the decision to, to cut some of their, uh, you know, their local channels. And that included Mississauga. So those games, all of a sudden, you know, they needed to find new homes. And, and in Owen Sound, we were approached about uh, hosting uh, one of the games that was taking place from Erie. I think it was game three or four, something like that. It was a Sunday afternoon. And myself and John Morris, who, who's been my color commentator since since day one, uh, we're hosting the game from the studio, doing your pre-post game, your, your intermissions. And right when we get there, our producer, Mark Perry, says, we're not getting the feed. Uh, something's gone down. There's a, there's a broken link somewhere along the line. There's technicians working on it, but we're not really sure what we're going to do. So we come up right off the top. We're not entirely sure. We're just filling. And you guys know how hard it is to fill at times, especially when you have no idea what's about to happen. And finally, they get the link up. We're showing the game. It cuts out. So I had the wise idea to pull up my laptop and I had soft people on Twitter saying, oh, you can find the stream on some website, some bootleg website. Um, the stream was all kind of blue. I don't know. But I pull up my laptop and I said, what if we shot? We couldn't, for whatever reason, get it from my laptop into our studio. So I said, what if I just set it up on the desk and we zoom the camera right in on my screen? Can we show the game like that? So somehow we pulled this off. We plug, you know, the laptop in, get the audio. Aaron Cooney's on the call. Great Sunday afternoon. I'm not sweating as much as I once was until I realize I get a Facebook message on my phone. People can see the messages that are coming up on my screen off my laptop back from <laughs> watching on TV. So uh, I had a bit of a heart attack trying to figure out what the heck had just been messaged to me as well and how many people might have saw it. Luckily, I don't think there was anything incriminating, but uh, that was a weird Sunday afternoon uh, covering a game and uh, just trying to come up with a solution on the fly. Probably better it was a Sunday afternoon than a Friday or Saturday night with those messages popping in. Totally different vibe after church, you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, that's enough to give you a heart attack just hearing the story, let alone being oh. in that situation. Yeah, I, I still wake up with some sweats every once in a while about that one. That's, that that's, great a, that's great. And see, for all those listeners that think, you know, we just get paid to watch hockey. It's not that simple. Sometimes you got to find a different way around it. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and I seem to always kind of run into these situations as well, because it, it just, just kind of reminded me that when there's games coming from, from those U S markets, you know, we'll do the, the intermissions and, and the pregame, like I said, and one night the, the Rogers super sports pack decided to send out our feed from our studio about 10 minutes before seven o'clock. We're not on the air yet. And I'm trying to wire up and I got my pants undone not knowing it's being sent out again, uh, an interesting direct message I got from a player's parent who wanted to let me know that uh, everyone just saw me with my pants undone on TV. So, uh, Hey, it's not all uh, fun and games at times. Oh, great stuff. Uh, listen, we already mentioned his name. I don't think he needs any more by way of introduction. I am totally with our guest, Mark McKelvey, that a different Joey Hishon at a, like uninjured, obviously not only changes the 2011 championship, but also Hishin's uh, future career in hockey. And Pulper, you want to add one more thing in here? I do. Typical, right? I know. Of course. As, no, it's good. If any you know, routine listener knows, I always have one more. I just got to ask. We, we just did a whole pot or mini podcast here about the Owen Sound Attack and haven't asked Mark McKelvey if there is a better fry in the league. Oh, my gosh. No, my bad. Yeah. You guys are right. The, the best fries in the league. I know it's got that reputation there. Uh, some good, some good eats up in Owen Sound. There's no doubt about that. Uh, you know, I'd have to throw in the plug, obviously, for shorties. That's 34 meals a, a year that I have there as well. So, uh, hey, uh, next time we finally get this season rolling, uh, I'll, I'll indulge in a few fries with you guys up in the booth. Well, we will we'll look miss forward to that. 
Yeah, we're looking forward to getting up there, but we will miss Bernice to all the on-sound listeners and everyone around the attack, all of our thoughts uh, with Bernice and her family for sure. Mark, thanks a million for doing this. Thanks a lot, guys. We'll get to the life of Joey Hish and where it's at right now in a little bit, but I want to ask you, obviously coming back here, the attack playing the Rangers, what are some of the memories you have from this building? Uh, this is always my favorite rink to play in. I thought the atmosphere here was always incredible. I always had a ton of family and friends here. I remember uh, as a 16-year-old, my first or second game in the league um, was here, and uh, I had a box. There was a box over there filled with all my friend, friends and family, so I'll never forget that. It was always uh, my, one of my favorite places to play. Like I said, the atmosphere, and you guys always had good teams too, especially uh, my first year. Uh, you guys had Azevedo and guys like that, so it was a tough rink to play in, but always had a lot of fun here. How tough was it making the jump into this league? Uh, it was extremely tough. I uh, I actually never played AAA hockey, yeah. so I came straight to the OHL out of uh, Stratford AA. So from coming to coming from major midget AA into the OHL, it was uh, quite a step, and uh, I struggled I think a little bit early. But once I uh, got adjusted, uh, I think I did okay. But it was it was definitely tough at the start. Double A, and you were a first rounder too on sound, right? Eighth overall, is that right? Yeah, so we were a double A. Yeah, we were just we were just talking there before, but I was fortunate enough to play five games for the Stratford Cullitans, and uh, through those games, I started to get noticed a little bit by OHL teams. But yeah, it, uh, my my parents couldn't. Uh, they really didn't have the means to play me in uh, AAA hockey, and my AAA center was uh, an hour away from my my hometown. They were really busy with work, and uh, I. I decided to stay home and, and play double a and uh it all worked out i still got drafted high and uh and toe and sound obviously it was uh, great for me there as well and uh yeah it all worked out definitely worked out you carved out a heck of a career in this league and eventually making it to the national hockey league but your time in on sound you were a superstar in this league especially in the year that you guys won an ohl championship what was that game like when you guys finally won? Yeah, it, incredible. I think uh, that was always the goal, and we struggled earlier. Early, my my first year we missed the playoffs. Second year we lost in the first round. My third year we missed the playoffs again, and then my fourth year we won it. So it was a bit of a, a roller coaster, but uh, I wouldn't trade it for anything. I think uh, Owen Sound's a small community, but uh, they absolutely love hockey and. Uh, the city really gets behind you, especially when you make the playoffs. The Bayshore gets uh, rocking. They pack it every single night, and it's uh, it's a lot of fun. Forget the Bayshore. When you're doing well, they'll pack the Hershey Center down there in Mississauga, too. When you guys played played uh, Mississauga in the OHL final, they were calling it On Sound South. Yeah, yeah, Bay, Bayshore <laughs> South. Bayshore South, yeah. yeah. I remember uh, skating out at the start of the game, and, and the fans went absolutely crazy, and the ref at the time skated up to me and said, if that doesn't get you going, I don't know what, what will. <laughs> uh, it was definitely pretty cool. And then the parade, after we uh, ended up winning in double overtime, the parade back into Owen Sound started about 40 minutes out of Owen Sound, and uh, all, it was all the way, roads were lined up all the way into Owen Sound, so it, uh, it was really cool and something you'll never forget. Elis wins it to Shemitz, his shot, does not get through, hits a body, coming through his brace, throws it in front, Maiden Shred, scores! The Ontario Hockey League Championship! Jared Maiden's on the doorstep! I don't believe it! The Hershey Center goes wild! I don't believe it! I shall champion! 22 years in the making, and the Owen Sound attack win it in overtime! I don't believe it! Oh, baby! You talk about the, the community in on sound and whatnot. And did, did you really know that the fans cared that much even before that? Because 
yet they're they're at the Bayshore, you know, every game. They pack the house almost every night, and the passion's there. But did you know to what extent? Because, like you said, you come off an Oil Championship, can't even get back into town. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Before uh, I went there, I mean, driving up to Owen Sound for the first time after I was drafted, I remember looking at my parents and being like, where are we going? It feels like you're kind of driving into the middle of nowhere. But once I was up there, it's, uh, it's a real family feeling. Um, the fans absolutely love all the players. They love hockey. Like you said, it's sold out every game and uh, really, really cool place to play junior hockey. Now, as a scout for the attack, how have you found the transition from player to now scouting? It's been it's been good. I mean, it's it's tough sometimes. Obviously, I'd still like to be playing at, sure. in, in the National Hockey League or pro in Europe, whatever whatever it may be, but health-wise, I thought it was best for me to, to step away, and um, I've stayed really busy with the scouting and the skill development stuff, so it's been uh, a lot of fun, and hopefully I can uh, continue to have lots of fun with that. You mentioned the, the health side, the concussions and stuff. How are you feeling now? Great, yeah. great. Yeah, yeah. no uh, no problems. No, no doctor ever told me I shouldn't play hockey, but I just felt uh, the last one I had was my third concussion, and I just felt it was time to move on, and uh, hopefully live a, a happy and healthy life and um, started to focus focus more on uh, things away from the rink and it's it's been great sportsnet did a fantastic feature on joey for our listeners if you haven't seen it just talking about your your junior and then obviously the concussion and how you how you got back into the game with the help of your wife dory and stuff uh, they also mentioned snook o'reilly's dad uh Bri- brian brian, brian yep. yeah and, and the help you got from them uh, it's a great feature. If you haven't seen it, make sure to, to head over to sportsnet.ca and, uh, and and take a look at that. Joey, talking about the, the NHL and when you finally got the call that you were going to make your NHL debut, what was that like? Uh, surreal. It was actually a playoff game. So I was uh, I had never played in an NHL game, and uh, I was black acing um, in the playoffs. Uh, Colorado was playing against Minnesota, and Tyson Berry got hurt. And uh, if anyone knows hockey, they'll know Tyson Berry's a defenseman, so I didn't really think I had a chance to get called up, but they ended up calling me up to play on the power play and the power play only, so uh, I went up, and uh, it was uh, it was a pretty cool experience. Uh, I mean, for my first game to be in the playoffs in Minnesota in game three and to only play on the power play, I ended up playing more than that. I, I played uh, a regular five-on-five shift for the, those three playoff games as well, but, uh, yeah, the, the original call was you're going to come up and you're going to play on the power play. Uh, produce and do whatever you can and uh, it was it was pretty cool I mean uh, again something I'll never forget and a ton of fun <laughs> I think that's almost like a compliment about your skill set at one point too or like you're gonna come up to the show but you're only gonna play power play <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, I didn't know how to take it but uh, no I was happy either way you, you managed to score a goal in your NHL career as well um, obviously a highlight for you growing up that's what you wanted to do obviously playing in the NHL you obviously remember the goal, but you remember the emotion that you were going through after everything you had been through? A little bit, yeah. I think I kind of blacked out a bit as well. I, I remember I couldn't sleep the night uh, after. I was, like, staring at the ceiling all night long and um, just so excited. Had uh, so many nice text messages and emails and phone calls from friends and family. And a uh, really cool experience and uh, wouldn't trade it in for anything. Well, we, we talked about you growing up in Stratford and going to Culleton games and then me watching you as a member of the On Sound Attack. I was actually at uh, the game in Mississauga because I used to cover the, the majors at the time when you guys won in Mississauga and I was on the ice and I remember just thinking, this Hishin kid is nasty. <laughs> <laughs> so I appreciate you taking the time and I'm glad our paths have crossed again. Joey Hishin, thank you very much. Yeah, thanks for having me.
The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundle from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.